Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Rock Talk with Dr. Cropper at long last. And welcome to 2024. And I guess, what are we now? Season eight? Yeah. So, uh, sorry for the delay. I ended up taking a bit longer break than I intended because I spent three weeks purging my room from top to bottom. Uh, I do mean top to bottom so that I would have a, uh, more organized environment to start the year off with on the right foot. Um, before we get going, uh, by the way, thank you for being here. I know the amount of alone time that it takes to get through a podcast isn't always easy to come by these days, so I appreciate you entrusting me with yours and hope you will find that you chose wisely. I mean, today should be a pretty short one, but um, anyway, uh, as always, I encourage you to follow the show on uh, particularly Instagram at rocktalk.dr.cropper. I mean, who's kidding who? I barely keep up with that one, much less the other platforms, but they're listed in the description nonetheless. Uh, I hope to be better at that this year, but we'll see. Um, it's going to be a short one today uh, and more informal like the premium ones typically are, but I'll make this one available for everybody. I didn't really intend to talk about this, but uh, figured, well, we're still less than a week since the Super Bowl, and because people have been asking me for my take on the halftime show in the flesh, I figured, uh, why not just put it up here for everybody. And then I can just say, go listen to the episode. <laughs> um, anyway, so, uh, that's what we are going to discuss. And then at the end, I'll give you a little bit of a, uh, a preview of stuff I might talk about as the year goes on. Uh, so, the Super Bowl 58 halftime show starring Usher from this past Sunday in Las Vegas. Um, one of my customers was saying that uh, he lost like every single prop bet that he made on the game, including whether or not Usher would come out wearing sunglasses. He thought, well, surely that's got to be a lock. I've never seen him without sunglasses and he comes out without sunglasses. So, um, I feel for my my pal on that one. Um, the the way that Usher started off being on that throne with the big white sort of cape reminded me of uh, Cruella Deville with the Siberian tiger in 101 Dalmatians. Uh, I'm not sure what the deal with the peacocks was. Um, I don't really have too much to say about uh, the show itself, but more. Um, how it's a, a microcosm of uh, some larger trends in the music industry and society generally, I suppose. Uh, it was pretty nostalgic for me being, I guess, what was popular when I was in middle school, uh, just starting high school, which happens to be the last time that I listened to Top 40 radio, really. Um, so... The show lasted 12 minutes, 55 seconds. I timed it on the, the YouTube upload of it from, you know, when it actually, you know, if you cut out the, the video says 13 something, but if you cut out the, the Apple music logo at the start and end of it, 1255 runtime. And he played 13 songs, which is completely ridiculous in my opinion. Uh, my brother Spencer, who you hear from a lot on here, he and I were uh, having a chat on Thursday and uh, 
commiserating about how the halftime show has become a microcosm of the uh, the the lack of attention span that uh, is plaguing our uh, I would say society, but particularly when it comes to music. I mean, they first of all, I'm not, I recognize that I'm not their target audience for the halftime show because they're trying to draw in people who would not otherwise be watching the game and my music tastes i mean who's kidding who align with the boomers generally speaking uh and you know most boomer men the league probably assumes would already be watching the game so uh i realize they're not trying to appeal to me uh which is good because they definitely are not uh the focus is all on the dancing and the visual aspect of it, which doesn't really move the needle for me. Um, and I think you could probably, I don't know if you can blame it on any one artist. Uh, Pink Floyd certainly had a hand in sending us down this path with the wall tour in 1980, where the, the visuals got to the point that they were timing the performances to stay in sync with the visuals, which I think is uh, sacrilegious, basically, um, because improvisation is the best part of live music, in my opinion. Um, and the ultimately, the visuals should be in service of the music, I think, not the other way around, which is what it is now, basically. Uh, but in terms of the what I was saying about the set list and what Spence and I were talking about pop music is already engineered to you're within an inch of its life in terms of having very little breathing room and not expecting you to hold your attention on any one you know, motif or whatever for more than a couple of seconds. Really uh, there are examples of songs from the past that, uh, you know, keep moving very quickly like that, but they're poppy. The build me up buttercup is an example of that where there's some constant change or little thing to catch your ear, uh, going through it. And it's a pretty short song. Uh, but you know, so top 40 radio pop stuff, which is what almost all of these halftime show artists in the past decade or so have been, I think I would say all of them. I'm trying to remember the last that wasn't like the who, at Super Bowl 44, and we're now at 58. Um, anyway, pop music is already geared toward uh, someone with musical ADHD, if you will. Uh, and then the halftime show is like, okay, that even that is expecting way too much of people's focus. You need to trim that way down. How dare you play any song in full and just make it a medley stuffing as many of your hits as possible into it like thir 13 songs and there are three additional songs that are hinted at you know by other people within a few of those ones so like 16 songs referenced in less than 13 minutes that's absurd to me um anyway and and the super bowl this is a bit of a tangent to the halftime show but i've actually become disillusioned with the super bowl as a whole it used to be you know the the pinnacle of the sport that it should be, but now it's become about, seems like all of the sideshows except the football and, uh, the quality of play isn't always that good because the, 
gaps for commercials and everything else are so long that players are kind of perpetually stiff and out of rhythm throughout the game. And, uh, you know, it's, if you're at a party, it's about the food and the talking and the halftime show is about the dancing, not the music. And, and I realized that I should have said this at the outset. I realized this episode is going to be very much, at least to my, uh, younger listeners coming across like the old man yells at cloud meme. And maybe that's fair. Whatever. I'm at peace with that. I know <laughs> that I have those tendencies. Um, so yeah, I, the highlight for me was Ludacris's appearances on Yeah, which would be my favorite Usher song. Uh, Ludacris, one of seven guests. So, um, Again, I would say that's an inordinate amount of guests for 12 minutes and 55 seconds. Then again, as Spencer and I were saying when we were talking about it, uh, I can't really think of an Usher song that doesn't have a feature in it or is him featured on someone else's song. Um, and I have, I don't know if I've expressed this on the show, I have my own thoughts about the whole like feature culture that sort of permeates music these days. Uh, I think it's because nobody's few are good enough to, uh, or have a deep enough catalog to, uh, captivate people consistently on their own, which brings me to, by comparison, um, probably my favorite halftime show, or at least my favorite artist to have played a halftime show, seeing as Led Zeppelin and the Grateful Dead never did, uh, would be the Rolling Stones halftime show at Super Bowl 40 in Detroit, which I pulled up on YouTube and watched some of to refresh my memory. Um, just now before I decided to record this little impromptu sucker, uh, the, their show is roughly the same running time, about 13 minutes, but, uh, first of all, no dancers, none of that bullshit. It was just a tongue and lips shaped stage with fans in the middle of the tongue and around the stage, now you never see fans on the field because it's all uh, taken up by the dancers and whatever other uh, you know, circus contraptions they've uh, rolled in with them. Um, now, I suppose that could be some sort of security consideration to not have fans on the field, but that Stone's halftime show was after 9-11 and, you know, pretty close after when there was a lot of paranoia about that sort of thing. So uh, I'm not sure if that is really their reason. Anyway, um, no, no dancing, no tricks, just a great iconic band that can hold the stadium in the palm of their hand easily for 13 minutes up there playing. Uh, and guess how long their set was? Same running time, 13 minutes, give or take. Not 13 songs, but three. Played in full, respecting song structure, which is important to me. I don't even like dark stars that are imbalanced where the, you know, the verse is like, or they, they go off into something else almost immediately after the first verse. I'm like, oh, I can't rank that one as high. It's structurally imbalanced. So I hate that's the other thing that bothers me about the medley thing is like, if it's a song I like, I want to hear it in full. Um, and I hate when, uh, 
you know, you're having a pool party in the summer and somebody requests, especially if it's a song that they request and then they hit you with another request before the song even finishes. I'm like, bro. Um, anyway. Um, so yeah, another thing is that interested me, uh, comparing the two is how, uh, even though cancel culture has largely sprung up since that Stones halftime show, the uh, the bar for what um, needs to be censored in the halftime show has actually uh, been raised. That be the right, yeah, because um, it, it didn't seem like much was uh, censored from the show this past weekend. Whereas, and I'm saying this in favor of like I'm in favor of not censoring, but uh, Mick was forced to uh, skip uh, to leave out two words in start me up. He left out the uh, in the line, you make a dead man come on the outro. He didn't say come just left it blank. And then in uh, rough justice, my favorite line in the song uh, or verse, I split once upon a time, once upon a time, you were my little chicken. Now you've grown into a fox. Once upon a time, you were my baby chicken. Now you've grown into a fox. Once upon a time, I was your little rooster. Now am I just one of your cocks? He didn't say cocks. In both cases, he didn't alter the line, just left it blank. So like, yeah, you all know what goes there. Uh, but anyway, uh, that's kind of interesting to me how the, uh, um, even though cancel culture is kind of new since then, uh, the, the things that will get you canceled are, different than the things that would have been a no-no 15, 20 years ago, which is interesting. I will, however, come to Usher's defense on one front. Uh, lots of people were remar have been remarking to me about how sweaty he was during the show. Uh, the lights up there are extremely hot, even from playing shows at you know, dinky bars around town. Uh, I can tell you that I would be sweating almost immediately once I got up there, even before I started drumming. So I can't imagine how bright they are for a show of that size. Now, the good news is there's a cyclical nature to these things in terms of the societal trends I was referencing with attention span and the focus being on the glitzy, you know, fitting for Vegas, show busy elements of a concert of, you know, music in general, as opposed to, you know, some decades ago, I guess, like, you know, 50 years ago now, when the focus was more on artistic integrity and, um, you know, actually trying to, to say something worthwhile, um, the, the, the deficiencies in in my opinion, in art being produced these days are uh, typical of the crisis phase of the saculum. I've referenced many times the the fourth turning phenomenal book that I read uh, talking about the generational archetypes and how they're intertwined with the cycles of history and the awakening stage of the cycle, which in our current saculum was you know roughly 64 through 84. Uh, almost always produces the best art. So it's no surprise that in our recent memory, 
in my opinion, the best music came from uh, that period, especially the first half of it, you know, 65 to 75, I would say is the prime decade within that. Um, anyhow, so there's hope that all that to say, there's hope that we'll come back around to producing uh, really quality, high quality stuff uh, in more copious uh, quantities. Uh, than we are at the present time. Uh, but we'll probably have, I mean, I'm 28 now, we'll probably have to wait till I'm 50 or so to get there because we have to go through the high phase first, which um, typically produces art that is uh, rather uh, bland or cookie cutter, playing it safe, because the, the whole goal is to, like, you know, you're coming out of the crisis, so, okay, we need to stabilize society and uh, avoid anything that's going to be um, rocking the boat, which a lot of that great music in the 60s, the impetus for it was pushing back against all of these institutions that had just been built in the high. Anyway, so, um, but yeah, the uh, the sort of, um, uh, what's... There's sort of a cultural um, oligopoly at the moment in the sense that there's a a very top-heavy feel to uh, most creative fields at the moment, it seems to me, but especially uh, musically where, um, you know, it's easy to be a musician in the sense that, like, now you can, anyone with a computer can get their stuff out there, but it's just going to be lost in all likelihood in the sea of, uh, the internet and, um, the, the handful of artists at the very top are getting a huge chunk of people's, you know, listening time and all the rest. Taylor Swift prime example and an interesting case because she's someone who started off with more artistic integrity and more of a singer songwriter vibe, focus on the lyrics and all that and has slowly, sort of given up and gotten on the train of uh, uh, this more hegemonic kind of characterless pop. And millennials seem to have a really strong impulse toward community, which is typical of the hero archetype. But, um, you know, most of the social media platforms are started by millennials and were the ones that initially made them take off, even if now they're slowly being uh, I don't know if hijack's the right word. Yeah, I'm inclined to say that, but a changing of the guard where very young millennials, if not Gen Z, are now sort of setting the rules of engagement for these platforms. But um, anyway, all of that to say, uh, I think the the clustering of people's uh, entertainment hours and dollars toward a handful of... Um, options at the very top of the industry that are, in my opinion, becoming increasingly uh, bland is uh, kind of a reflection of the the intolerance toward disagreement that permeates at the moment because like, well, look, now we don't even have to disagree about what music we like. We all just listen to the same person who doesn't 
take very many chances and doesn't expect us to pay attention longer than 30 seconds. Anyway, that's probably enough ranting for today. Um, I said I would mention some things that might be coming up later in the year. Um, today I was doing my cursory look at what albums have birthdays coming up this year. Um, turning 65, Miles Davis is kind of blue. I will try to talk about that one. Uh, seminal jazz album, uh, the album that launched a thousand dinner parties, as I once saw it aptly described. Um, and an interest that'll be an interesting discussion because I despise the notion of dinner music, but I love that album. Um, it, spoiler alert, it's the, the notion of music being designed to be largely ignored or in the background is detestable to me. Anyway, uh, turning 60, we've got two Beatles albums, their third and fourth, uh, A Hard Day's Night in Beatles for Sale, uh, first two Stones albums, uh, debatable in what capacity those will be discussed, uh, A Hard Day's Night, the most likely of the bunch. Uh, there are a lot of great ones turning 55 because 1969 is one of the best years for music. Uh, Abbey Road, the first two Led Zeppelin albums, Let It Bleed. Those four, I would say, are a lock to get discussed and will probably qualify for the full treatment. I hope so. Um, ones that might get more of a an overview episode with a guest. The Soft Parade, By The Doors, Oxamoxoa, Grateful Dead, Live Dead, uh, The Band's Debut, Tommy by The Who, In the Court of the Crimson King, King Crimson, which I've never listened to, but everyone in all my music friends have been telling me, oh man, you got it, so I probably will. Uh, Crosby, Stills, and Nash's, Nash's Debut, uh, Nashville Skyline, great short, uh, speaking of my rant about attention span here, but a uh, very short album, but really nice. And I love how different his voice sounds on it to like everything else in his catalog. Um, Blind Faith and Santana's debuts and Chicago. Um, just a, a, a sampling of the options from 1969. Uh, turning 50 from 74, we've got uh, Natty Dread. Bob Marley and the Whalers. That one I definitely want to talk about. Love that album. Um, the Lamb Lies Down on Broadway by Genesis. Never heard it, but my dad always talks about it. And um, as he's influenced my music tastes more than any other, I kind of give his recommendations a greater benefit of the doubt than some others. Um, so that's a possibility. 461 Ocean Boulevard, Eric Clapton. I like some stuff from it. That could get a short episode. The Stones, It's Only Rock and Roll. Last album with Mick Taylor. Probably a short one. Super Tramp, Crime of the Century. Probably my favorite of theirs. Could get a longer one. And then turning 45, In Through the Outdoor. Zeppelin's last, uh, Highway to Hell. Uh, that Those two will probably get a full treatment. And then... Breakfast in America, Super Tramp, uh, maybe a shorter one. 
Anyway, so those are some topics to look forward to perhaps as the year rolls along. I do want to stick to my uh, proposal of by and large making it an a la carte Instagram poll based uh, system for choosing the topics this year and not stick to weekly releases. So um, stay tuned for the first poll, uh, potentially even this week. Uh, and as always, uh, fire away with your requests at any of the um, channels listed in the description. All right, so um, looking forward to this year, and uh, I will talk to you soon. As I said at the beginning, I encourage you to follow the show on any and all social media platforms so that you can be kept abreast of all the latest happenings pertaining to the show. And uh, if you feel so inclined to leave a rating and review, if that's an option wherever you're listening, those are very helpful to me. And of course, uh, grassroots promotion. If you know someone who you think you would, who you think would dig it, uh, please pass it along. Okay, uh, class dismissed.